couple weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a young person uh, over some uh, grindhouse coffee. Uh, there's nothing better than to have a conversation over grindhouse coffee. This sermon brought to you by grindhouse. No, I'm kidding. <sighs> so I'm having a conversation with a young person over some grindhouse coffee, and we're talking about Christianity. We're talking about faith. And uh, I asked this person, I said, what's the hardest thing for you about Christianity? What's the hardest thing about the, the claims of, of being a Christian or, or the claims of Christianity? And this person said to me very, very quickly, knew right away what they wanted to say. And, and that was, uh, they said, the exclusivity of it. The exclusivity of it. And I said, you mean that, uh, that Jesus is the only way to be saved? He said, yeah. So I find that kind of hard to, to believe. I kind of, I struggle with that. that. That's where I doubt. I said, thank you for your honesty. And I said, I'd love to have you come uh, in two weeks, because that's the topic I'm going to deal with on Sunday morning. If Jesus is the only way to go to heaven, is Jesus the only way to be saved? And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Is Jesus the only way to be saved? And I think that for myself, I, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I grew up going to church, Sunday school. I was there every Sunday morning. I was there every Wednesday night. I was there every Sunday afternoon for youth group. My parents were the custodians of our church when I was growing up. I was there on every Saturday, stripping floors and mopping floors. And yeah, I was always at church. And except for a period of about 18 months after I dropped out of college, I've always been a faithful churchgoer. I, I really have never struggled too much with doubt. But there have been times. There have been times in my life when I have doubted my faith. I'd like to tell you that those times are way in the past. It's interesting, this weekend is my t uh, two, two anniversaries for me. Uh, one, this is the, uh, this weekend, tomorrow is my 10th anniversary being the pastor here at GFCC. And this weekend is also the 20th anniversary of my first church hiring me to be their pastor. So I've been doing this for 20 years. And I'd love to tell you that the doubts that I haven't had in my past about Christianity, about my faith, those doubts are way, way in the past, back when I was in high school or something. But there have been times, even in ministry, where I sit there and go, is this really real? That there have been times in my ministry that I have doubted. Doubted God's goodness. Doubted God's love. There have been times I've asked, God, are you even there? Any of you ever feel the same way? Any of you ever had those kinds of doubts? It's okay. It's okay. I take heart. I, I take comfort in the fact that one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, doubted. All of his friends told him, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He said, nope, unless I put my fingers in his hands and put my hand in his side, I won't believe it. We call a person who doubts a doubting what? Right. Because that's who it was. Even Thomas doubted. And Thomas went on to do great things for God. He took the gospel to the uh, country of India. Uh, and so when it comes to doubts, I think some of the doubts we have are because of big questions. You know, I, I think about this question about if Jesus is the only way to be saved, uh, I have questions about that. I have issues sometimes with trying to figure that out. Like I said, I was raised in church. I grew up in church. Uh, I grew up going to church, like I said, every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday afternoon. If the doors were open, I was there. 
and, and I think to myself, uh, you know, did I win the spiritual lottery? Did I win the spiritual lottery? In, in that, uh, was I just fortunate enough to be born into a Christian family with Christian parents who raised me to know Jesus, I was baptized at the age of eight, and been walking with the Lord ever since? You know, did I win a, some kind of a spiritual lottery? That someone who's living in the Middle East, for example, in a nation where Christianity is outlawed, that they didn't win that lottery? These are the questions that I have. Maybe you've had the same questions. What about people who've never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus? What about people living in uh, the brush of Africa, some tribe that we don't even know exists in the Amazon or in Africa, never heard the name of Jesus? What about those folks? These are questions that I have. Maybe you have the same ones. I think if we're honest, I think if we're honest, we'll all admit that there have been times in our lives that we have doubted our faith. If we're all honest, there have been times in the past where we have said, I, I don't know. And, and if we're not being honest, then why are we here? This is a safe place, my friends. I want you to know this is a safe place where we can ask questions. This is a safe place where we can wrestle with issues of faith. This is a safe place where you don't have to have it all together every single Sunday. This is a safe place where your faith doesn't have to be rock solid every single Sunday or else someone's going to look, bad at, look down on you or someone's going to point a finger at you. This is a safe place. It's a safe place to even have doubts. And the reason I say that is because I believe that God loves doubters. That may, seem, that may sound really strange. That may sound odd. You mean God loves people who doubt his existence? I believe that that is absolutely true. The reason I believe that is because we are told in the Bible to be merciful to those who doubt. Jude chapter 1 verse 22 says that. Be merciful to those who doubt. And if God commands us to be merciful to those who struggle with doubt, I believe it's because he is merciful to those who struggle with doubt. I don't believe that God would ask us to do something that he wouldn't do. And I believe that if, he is, if we are merciful to those who doubt, I know that he is merciful to those who doubt. He does not berate us when we doubt. He does not belittle us when we doubt. When we ask tough questions, God is not afraid of them. He's not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. Instead, he, I believe he lovingly and gently reveals himself to us. Now, why doesn't that happen all at once? Why doesn't that happen like in a big flash of lightning across the sky? Why, why isn't there like some banner in the clouds that says, I'm real? Well, I believe that according to Romans chapter 1, God has made himself known and that we can believe based on the beauty of the world around us, based on uh, the uh, intricacy of creation, that God has revealed himself in nature over and over and over again. And the Bible says that all men are without excuse. Everyone is without excuse because God has revealed himself in nature. 
And to those who have received special revelation, the special revelation of Scripture, to those who have had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, we are responsible for what we've heard. We're responsible for what we've learned. And I believe in this day and age, it's really hard for someone to say, I've never heard of Jesus when we have the internet and things like that and communication. Someone living in Europe can say, well, I've never heard of Jesus. There's a church on every corner. Someone living in the United States, I don't see how it would be possible to not hear about Jesus Christ in one way, shape, or another. There's a Bible in every bookstore, a Bible in every hotel room. Uh, the internet, again, the World Wide Web, there's information everywhere about who Jesus is. There's a church on every corner, sometimes more than one. <laughs> But what about those questions? What about those doubts? And I think one of the hardest things to wrestle with, one of the toughest questions we ask is, is Jesus the only way to be saved? For the answer, I think we have to turn to Scripture. We have to look at the claims that Jesus made about himself. That's one. And the second thing we have to look at is the claims that other people made about him. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our series called fake news and alternative facts. And we started this on Easter Sunday. Uh, and on Easter Sunday, we talked about how uh, Jesus really did rise from the dead. And that the fact that when people say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that's fake news, that's alternative facts. But Jesus really did rise from the dead. And uh, we saw that in that sermon on Easter Sunday. And then last week, uh, we talked about how we have to earn our salvation. Again, that's fake news. Those are alternative facts. You can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough for it. You can't clean up your act enough for it. You can't put enough money in the offering plate for it. You can't uh, do enough good deeds for it. You can't earn your salvation by doing good deeds. You can't balance out the scales of sin and good deeds. It just doesn't add up. So what we saw last week was that we can't earn our salvation, salvation in a, in what it is, is it is a gift of grace. It is a free gift of God, and it is a free gift of grace. And that's what makes grace so amazing, is that it's completely free. And salvation is completely free, paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. There's not a thing you can do to make yourself more saved. You have to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. You do that by believing in him, that he is the Son of God, and that he is the Savior of the world. You repent from your sins. It means you turn away from sin. You turn to God for forgiveness. You acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you want him to be your Lord and Savior. You confess that faith. And then you get baptized, and God washes away your sins in that moment. And when we uh, believe, repent, confess, and get baptized, God makes us brand new. He completely washes away the past. All the sins, past, present, and future, he washes you completely clean. He, the Bible says, justifies you, and it's just as if you'd never sinned at all. That's the beauty of salvation. And it's a free gift, like I said. It's a completely free gift, and that's wonderful. So today, uh, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the only way to be saved and what the Bible says about that. We're also, uh, then next week, we're going to talk about can you be a Christian without going to church? Is that fake news? We're going to talk about that. So if you know somebody who's like, yeah, I can be a Christian without going to church, invite them to come next week. We're going to make them feel really bad. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know me, right? Um, and then, uh, then we're going to celebrate Mother's Day. We've got gifts for all the ladies who will be here on Mother's Day. And then the week after Mother's Day, we're going to talk about who is your one.
who is your what. And that's kind of going along with what we're going to talk about today. So if you've got your Bible, uh, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. So John 14, 1 through 6. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 763 of the Bible that looks like this, page 763. Uh, or you can always use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. And we're going to look at John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus and his disciples are in an upper room. They are, this is the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. Uh, he is meeting with his disciples, and he is teaching them, giving them final instructions. He is praying for them. Uh, he is instituting the Lord's Supper, a communion that we do every Sunday here at GSCC. So God, is, Jesus is with his disciples, going to celebrate the Passover uh, one last time. And he can tell that his disciples are troubled. Because he's been talking about how he is going to die. And this is what he says in John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And, and what that literally means in the Greek is do not keep on letting your hearts be troubled. I know you're troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, the doubter, says this, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, very famous words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a bold claim. That's an audacious claim, is it not? That's a bold claim. That I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus in cha John chapter 10 indicated that, that he is God. He said this. He says, I and the Father are one. I am one with the Father. The, I am one with God. I am God. Uh, in, in, uh, in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, John wrote this about Jesus. says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the highest ideal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word, say it with me, was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, as the Logos, as the, the Word, the living Word of God, is God. So Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, then he can make this claim about himself, and, and, and we, we have to believe him, because if he is God then he is speaking truth. And he says that, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, we see that Jesus is full of grace and truth, that he speaks truth because he is the truth. In, the, in John 14, 6, that verse that we just read, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In the Greek, uh, which is the language the New Testament was written in, there is a definite article before way, truth, and life. And that definite article is the. It, it's not a. He didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life. Uh, I am not one of many truths, lives, uh, or uh, ways among many others. I am the way and the truth and the life. It is a very definite article saying that there is only one. And that's Jesus. 
I like what C.S. Lewis said in, in his book, Mere Christianity. He wrote, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. So there are some people who say that Jesus is just that. He's a good teacher, right? You've all, have you ever heard anybody say that, that Jesus is a good teacher? This is what Lewis says. He, he would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, Lewis says. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, he meant it. And so you can either call him a liar, that Jesus is a liar, and, and, and if Jesus is just a liar, then, then let's close the doors and go have a picnic every Sunday. Or you can call him a crazy person, and he's a lunatic, and like Lewis says, he's on the level of someone who claims to be a poached egg. Or he is the Lord of all. And if Jesus is God, if he is the Lord of all, then we must listen to him and make this decision about whether or not we will follow him. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And, and that's just one of the claims he made. Uh, in, in John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus' claims about himself are that he is the way and the truth and the life. He is the gate. He is the narrow road. He is the only way to salvation. No one comes to the Father except through him. And we can either believe him or call him a liar. But if he is God, if he is the one true God, then we need to deal with this statement. But Jesus wasn't the only one who said this about himself. There were his apostles, his followers who said uh, this about him as well. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter and John were uh, arrested for healing a person, uh, healing a man. And they were told not to speak any longer in the name of Jesus. And, and in Acts 4.12, they said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name can save you. Most of the religions don't even talk about salvation. Salvation is not even a concept in them. Heaven is not even a concept. But when it comes to Christianity, to me it, make, to me it makes the most sense that there is a, a loving God a benevolent creator who made us all and we can see the intricacy of his design in creation and in the human body and, and, and we rebelled and sin against this loving creator and therefore deserve death. But this loving creator sent his one and only son to die on our behalf to offer himself as a human sacrifice by the grace of God to save us. I believe that one of the, the themes of the Bible, one of the stories of God's word, this overarching theme is that God reaching out to people. 
reaching out to people. He reached out to the people of Israel. He reached out to uh, the people of the world through Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loves the world. So in, back in Acts chapter 4, you got Peter and John saying there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And then in verses 18 through 20, it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't help speaking about it. Because we've seen Jesus. We've heard Jesus. We walked with Jesus. We talked with Jesus. We saw him crucified. We saw him raised from the dead. And we can't help talk, but talk about it. And so we can either obey you, teachers of the law, or we can obey Jesus. And we're going to obey, obey Jesus. Because he is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. In Acts 15, 11, they were having a council about uh, whether or not the Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians. And this is what uh, they say. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. That the Jews and the Gentiles were saved by the same grace of the Lord Jesus. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus that saves us. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus that is the hope for all humanity. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5-6, through 6, Paul tells Timothy, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. That's why Jesus died. So that the whole world could be saved through him. And if we'll put our faith and trust in Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, we will come to the Father through him. So you've got Jesus' claims about himself, that he is God and that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the, the, the gate by which the sheep enter into heaven. Uh, we have G, uh, his followers' claims about him as well. The, the ones who were willing to die for Jesus, the will, ones who were willing to give up their lives for Christ. And they say there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That Jesus, it is by the grace of the Lord Jesus that we are saved. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we can be made right with God through Christ. That it is through Jesus Christ that we can be made right with God. That you can have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ alone. And this is the gift of God's grace. And that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he makes you brand new. All that old stuff is gone. Those old sins, those old habits, those old addictions, they don't have to have power over you anymore. The old is gone, the new has come. And God wants to make you brand new through Jesus Christ. 
And that's the only way that it can happen is through Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? If Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is who, the, who his followers says he is, if he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him, I believe there's two things we need to do. One, if you do not trust Jesus Christ for salvation, if you have not put your faith and trust in him, then it's time for you to uh, deal with this claim. To deal with Jesus' claim that he is the way and the truth and the life. Are you trusting in him for salvation? Have you put your, your faith in him for salvation? We offer an invitation every Sunday. We'll do that in just a few minutes. Then maybe God's working on you. Maybe God's working in you. The Holy Spirit has been challenging you and, trans- and, and changing you and has been opening your eyes to things. And maybe you made the decision that you need to follow Jesus. You can do that today. And, and if you're not ready to do that just yet, then maybe we need to have a conversation. And my door's always open. My cell phone's always on. It's not on now, but you know what I mean. Let's have that conversation about Jesus Christ and your relationship to him. The other thing that we need to do is if you are a follower of Jesus, the second thing is you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. Because if this is true, if this is true that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and life and no one comes to the Father except through him, if you have family members, if you have friends, if you have relatives, if you have coworkers, if you have neighbors who don't know that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And I know I, I have relatives and I have friends and I have neighbors and I have coworkers. No, I don't have coworkers. My coworkers all go to church. But I have people in my life, I have former coworkers, uh, I have people in my life who don't know that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And if they go to hell, part of that's on me. Why didn't I tell them? Why didn't I say anything to them? And I can get up and I can preach a million sermons. I can preach every single Sunday. But what am I doing for the people around me, the people in my life who don't know Christ? What are you doing for the people around you who don't know Christ, that don't know that Jesus died for their sins? What are you doing about the people in your life who are wandering away from God? Are you pulling them back? Are you performing this ministry of reconciliation? Are you Christ's ambassador to them? The Bible says you are. And so I want to just challenge you for the next three weeks. In three weeks, I'm going to preach a sermon called Who's Your One? And it's about that one person that you just, you've got to see come to heaven. It's that one person you've got to see it's the one person that keeps you up at night. It's that one person who, who makes you go, I, 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 it breaks your heart that they don't know Jesus. Will you commit to pay, praying for that one person for the next three weeks? Daily. Pray for that one person daily for the next three weeks. And then get ready for this sermon called Who's Your One? And we're going to do that, in, like I said, in three weeks after Mother's Day. And we're going to give you some practical suggestions and, and some practical ideas on how to invite somebody to church and how to share your faith. Because this isn't a joke. It's not a joke. Heaven and hell are on the line. And we have a responsibility to Jesus Christ to share his love with the world. Now, we can do it in a couple different ways. We can be arrogant about it. We can be prideful about it. And we can boast and say, oh, you know, 
you're a bunch of worthless sinners and you deserve to go to hell. And that's not going to change anybody's life. That's not going to get you an audience with anyone. We can make the claim that, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but how we do that is going to determine, is going to go a long way in determining how people respond to it. So let's do it with humility. Let's do it with love and compassion for people so that people will respond to the good news of the gospel. And when we do that, when we do that, we'll, we'll understand what Pastor Greg Laurie said when he said this. He said, all roads lead to God, but only one road leads to heaven. All roads lead to God, but only one road leads to heaven. And if you're following Jesus, you're on that road. And our job is to bring as many people with us as we can. So pray for that one person. That's my challenge to you today. For the next three weeks, pray for that one person every single day. And then we'll talk about how we can share our faith in three weeks. Because we have good news to share. The good news that Jesus Christ is God and that he died for our sins and God raised him from the dead and he's coming back again. And until that day, when we live our lives in, as Christ's ambassadors to reach the world for Jesus. That's good news, my friends. It's not fake news. It's good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are people we know, people who are, we're concerned about, people who we love and care about, who don't know you, who don't know Jesus. And Lord, we, uh, while we may wrestle with doubt and we may wrestle with fear, I pray that you would replace a spirit of doubt and a spirit of fear with the spirit of faith. Help us to believe. Help us to know that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, our hearts break for those who don't know him. Our hearts break for those who are far from you. So I pray now that you would give us a heart that burns for people who don't know Jesus. Give us a heart that is passionate about people who don't know Christ. We want to change the world through Jesus. And that happens by your grace. So God, help us to deal with our doubts and to deal with the doubts and questions of others so that we will be able to bring as many with us as possible. Thank you for Jesus and for his great love. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.